Hi, y'all. Welcome to this week's episode of Thoughts of Peaches. Sorry for the delay. It's been a very trying week on my nerves. Um, Originally, this was supposed to be a little bit of a lighter, more informative episode, but I'm sticking with the same subject regarding um, straight allyship to the LGBT community. But this is going to be a little bit more of a discussion and... um, Yeah, it's going to be a little bit more aggressive than I planned on, but circumstances that I will explain in the episode will highlight why I had to change the format and why I felt this was important. I will have a special guest with me. Um, My son, Steven, is going to be joining me on the podcast today. Um, Obviously, I'm gay. Steven is straight. But he has opens himself to the LGBT community in social means through working with me at various venues and even some of his social circle. And I think this will be a good conversation to have him as part of because it will give a little bit of a different perspective than just me telling people what to do. So sit back, relax, and get ready for something very interesting. Okay, y'all, I am here with my son, Steven. Say hi. Hi. Speak up, they can't hear you, bitch. Hi. Okay. So, the catalyst for the change in the format for this episode was a conversation I was having in a Facebook group that I was added to, and they were discussing the um, recent rash of trans murders and um, visibility of trans women as it as associated with the Black Lives Matter movement. And within the confines of this specific group, I am the only voice i have seen so far that represents the lgbt community as an openly gay person um the person who invited me for the group is a friend i've known for years and i initially told him that i just wanted to make sure it was okay for me to comment on things given the fact that my perspective was not directly the perspective of the group as most of the comments in the group were very heteronormative um ladies and gentlemen type things And there wasn't, like, a lot of latitude I saw in the comments. And he knows me and knows how my mouth is and said, no, stay your shit. So once those conversations started, it kind of deteriorated because of some of the different people's um, beliefs and things. But I felt that I needed to take the straight allyship conversation in a different direction. And bringing Steven in is going to help give more of a voice and perspective to that. Um, so let's start with this. What was your first interaction with a member of the LGBT community? Well, really my first interaction was working, really was work. Actually, no, those a few other times, um, working with some guy that I used to work in Massimo Dutti. He's the one that told me, Hey, apply for boxers to become a server, this and that. He was very cool, nonchalant, um, very open, and he kept to himself. He wasn't all like um, flamboyant, or he wasn't trying to like how people say, "Oh, he was being extra." Okay. He was always just being himself, calm and cool, collective. So before that, there was like no openly gay friends. You had never been to a gay club. Um, not really, no, because. The people in my community, especially the people that I was raised up with, anything like that, anything that had to be doing with being gay or even being, um, 
even complimenting a guy was a whole issue. You'll be making fun of anything like that. So I didn't start hanging out with gay people until I was working at Massimo, then working at Boxers. See, that's part of the conversation that needs to be started is a lot of the limitations the straight community has on how they see and view the gay community as a matter of perspective. Until you have engaged with members of the LGBTQIA plus community, God, I run out of breath saying all those letters now. <laughs> you don't have the lens, and I, you're going to hear me say this a lot with these things, you don't have the proper scope to understand the existence and lives of people until you've had to interact with them. And then it becomes this whole new world you're exposed to. And it takes a while to adjust because it took you a little bit to get used. Yeah, it took me a minute. (laughs) It took me about, what, like three or four months and then I got comfortable, a little bit comfortable. It took you three or four months, especially in the situation with working in some place like Boxers where in traditional hospitality environments, the factor of objectification and sexualization is primarily directed at women yeah when you're put in the situation you're like oh this is how girls feel when i go to a bar well that's the thing when i was working at boxers um east upper east side upper east side i did not know how i felt like being catcalled until i hear guys be like oh how does a dick look like oh he has a big ass and i'm like I really don't want to be behind this bar right now hearing this shit. It's funny that you didn't experience it. You didn't realize that until Upper East Side because Hell's Kitchen, I felt Well, in Hell's worse. Kitchen, I was always busy. I was running back and forth. Got it, got it, got it. So listening to the comments was... So it, it those situations change your perspective. The exposure yeah. to different arenas gives you a wider lens to look at the world through. So a lot of times when you get a different perspective or scope on things... It allows you to see different people's points of view with a little bit of a more open eye because not only in your own growth as a person being objectified, but you also got to see all different types and exposure to the different facets of what different people in the LGBT community is. And you have done a lot being someone who is an ally to the community in the sense of your growth as a person because a lot of people don't get as close or in-depth with um, their adjacency to um, gay life. I'm gay, my sister's a lesbian, my brother is straight. My brother has never been to a gay club with me. Well, He's never been to any of the ones I've managed. No, you have told me that, but also you gotta really think about it. You kind of actually pushed me to understand the gay community and everything else because remember that one project that one project that I was trying to put for my summer class it was a speech class and yes. I needed the topic and we were talking about Stonewall so um, when I was managing boxers in Hell's Kitchen we had a lot of straight staff who worked there and as Pride was coming up I gave each one of them information about different events that happened that are the reasons for celebrating Pride and I felt that it was necessary to educate them so they understood what they were walking into. So the Compton Cafeteria riots, the Stonewall Rebellion, and things of that nature. So they understood why Pride was a celebration. And then Stephen, in turn, used that for his project for his speech class. Yeah, because they were, well, for that speech class, they were like, oh, bring a topic that you feel that people need to understand or at least look at that they don't understand or never 
heard of or whatever it is and I saw the people was like well this is a good subject and plus that I'm working at a gay bar and also that I know that there's not a lot of voice for the community so I was like fuck it let me just speak about this it's something important something that people should be more educated about but that's the interesting thing when it comes to the concept of allyship a lot of times people want these big grand gestures sometimes it's the simplest things they can speak volumes because you don't know who was listening. You don't know who could have been sitting in that class that is either struggling with their own life and knowing that there's someone paying attention to what they're going through or someone that knows someone in their life that they go like, wow, I understand this better. And they can go to that person and do more for them. Um, I was kind of nerve-wracking, though. Why? That speech. Because the one many things that run through my mind, just like when I walk with you or Francisco it just happens automatically I'm like okay what what are people gonna be thinking about this right now they're gonna be thinking that I'm gay like all these other different subjects that I know people are gonna be questioning me about or questioning themselves or show them it's like bro it's not that serious but my anxiety makes it a lot worse sometimes but that and you know what that's one of the issues that a lot of my straight friends come into contact with is the concern about how the outside world sees them because yeah. of their proximity to me, which I think is not fair to for society to put that on people because it shouldn't matter. Yeah. If we're out having dinner, lunch, or whatever, why he's with me and what our relationship is is none of your business. It does not affect you. Well, just like I call your mom, people like why you call him a guy mom. Well, just like you would call your mom and father is kind of. And that origin comes from the history of, like, the ballroom community of the ch whole concept of chosen family because a lot of times during the apex of that, gay people were turned away from the heteronormative community and their families. So they had to create these houses in the ballroom scene, and they called the leaders of these houses mother and father. I have learned so much from that that I have built that into a lot of the factors of my life. I have a lot of people that call me mom either jokingly or as a term of endearment because they do feel like fill that role but that's a circumstantial relationship that happens over time that's not a requirement as people's relationships develop they change and they morph into whatever they are and what they become when you have the intersection of someone straight cisgendered and heteronormative coming into contact with someone with the LGBTQIA plus community, there's a whole realm of latitude for how that relationship can evolve into friendship, familia bond, whatever, and etc. And people need to accept that, that those intersections exist. Because I've taken Steven out to clubs. Ballrooms. <laughs> I took him to a ball. He's seen me perform in drag. He's helped me get dressed. Outside of in drag. Money. He's had to pick up my money. Um, so he's... I've kind of thrown him to the wolves, so to speak, as far as it goes with the LGBT life, and it doesn't challenge anything about who he is as a person. I think that's a common fear a lot of people have, is that the adjacency to gays changes who you are. It doesn't. You are a straight person who has gay friends, family members, you are an ally to the community. It doesn't make you any less of a man, woman. It does not negate your heterosexuality. It just means 
you're a good person. So what would be your opinion about this? Because this is something that I've thought about. How about for people that are bisexual, fluid, or whatever the sexuality will be, and they're afraid to go to these type of venues because they question themselves? What would be your advice for them? Because I feel that a lot of people are bisexual or fluid. They just don't understand it, and they're afraid of coming out or just feeling whatever they feel. I think that's one of the situations where visibility comes into play as far as those of us who are out and open need to make sure we show ourselves to the world so people see they're not alone. Also, as I was mentioning about being part of that Facebook group, I was talking to one of the admins about how these are conversations that need to be had. A lot of times people avoid them because they're uncomfortable, not realizing that these conversations can allow someone to exhale and live their life. I was watching a documentary on Netflix called Disclosure about trans visibility through Hollywood. And that was one of the key points that a lot of these trans individuals were saying is that once they saw someone who reflected some portion of themselves, they were able to open up their existence. And I'll take it a step further. I'm not just talking about pansexual, bisexual, sexually fluid people. We'll even talk about people who are trans attracted because straight society puts a lot of shame on people who are trans attracted saying, oh, you're gay. No, well, you're I not. Could, I could bring, I could shed some light on why people, where that comes from. It's a confusion between sexuality and sexual orientation. Yes, they're but different. also, me, me being raised in the community that I was raised in, we will always joke about this, and it's not a joke now because I understand a lot about this, but they'll be like, haha, you gay, or hey, you like this, you're gay, or if you do this, or you comment a guy, or compliment a guy, you're gay. It's, it's rooted on... Toxic kids. masculinity. Yeah, exactly. It's rooted on the kids to joke around about this, and then it, it makes, basically makes people hide from themselves and who they are, too. Because it, the, the context of that is... Being gay as a sign of weakness when... But it's not. It should be. <laughs> Listen, I'm quick to fight in the street. I'm I not know. weak. But the, the it's, it's a, a version that the masculine patriarchal system we have has always either vilified or like made femininity, femininity seem like a sign of weakness. Or is it also making females weak as well? Just the same they way they treat women, the whole damsel in distress concept, or if yeah. you look at LGBT representation in the media, when it first started out, it was all like... The media makes... Fem- hyper-feminized, sissy-type characters when that's not the full spectrum. And when it comes to getting into the straight community, a lot of times, as Steven said, when you grow up with a limited range of people, you only learn but so much from the people that are around you. And funny enough, these people are not even strong-minded. They're not strong physically, emotional, mentally, on any type of way. They want to act tough in front of other people. But the moment that you approach them, face-to-face, one-on-one, is one of those situations like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to fight. But if they're in a group of people, they want to fight. It's a pack mentality. They feel strength with like-minded people that can depend, Until they can defend the their opinion or point of view. That's where their strength comes from. Whereas I could be walking down the street, nails painted, hair done, whatever, minding my business, and five of them want to bother me and call me names and harass me going down the street. I have the strength of myself to walk down to who I am. They need yeah. a pack of people to validate their existence. 
that's the other thing too. Like that was the day that me, you, Francisco were hanging out in your house, and I went to Little Caesars. And the moment that I'm walking with Francisco, everybody's looking at me as if I'm a weird ass creature walking walking around with somebody. Because else. people don't people don't have the scope or perspective, and especially when it comes to minorities, there's an ancestral trauma attached to anything that deviates from straight heteronormative cisgender agendas because of how sexuality and any sort of thing that was considered sexually deviant was weaponized and used as a tool of fear so a lot of straight people have not had those habits or issues unlearned enough to be able to look to the lgbtqia plus community as equal or fully valid outside of that one gay friend or the character they see on TV. Now, to your point, as far as people coming out and accepting themselves for being bisexual, gender fluid, or even trans attracted, we are starting to slowly see more visibility so people can open their eyes and see themselves on TV. You have shows like Pose and things like that where you're seeing the full scope and range and the perfect example for I love, I love Pose though. I like it because of all the freaking drama. <laughs> everyone likes everyone likes the drama, but there's lessons to be taught. Yeah. And for this conversation I want to highlight the character of Little Poppy, who oh, yeah. you see through the first season, he's not the traditional gay adjacent character he's kind of across the spectrum where at one point he says he's an equal opportunity lover and then as you go in the season two you start to see the romance develop between him and angel so the summation of that character could be that he's either pansexual or bisexual or sexually fluid with trans attraction and he he stands and lives in that proudly There's nothing wrong with living as who you are. You don't have to force yourself into a bubble or defy who you are to make other people happy. And part of the responsibility being a straight person, because you are the majority with most of the power in society, you have to open the door and allow people to live their lives openly and freely. And this doesn't necessarily mean everybody needs to be out there marching and protesting because that's not everybody's lane to be in. Yeah, we spoke about that too. That not everybody can be out there protesting. Not everybody should be out there protesting. But even small interpersonal interactions of, just like Stephen said, when he was growing up, he heard the jokes and stuff like that. But at the point he is now, if he hears that, he knows it's his responsibility to address that. But this is the thing, sometimes addressing this issue with close-minded and hard-headed people is a little bit difficult just because you could repeat the same thing or you could say in different ways and they still won't understand it. But it's just like when you go to school and you're a school teacher. Yeah. We have to understand that throughout our life we are all going to be teachers at some point to someone, some way, shape, or form, whether we become parents, friends, and our jobs and stuff like that. We cannot avoid the educational opportunities just because it's hard. Yeah. I can't stop correcting people on using certain terminologies or certain ways of speaking just because I'm tired of repeating myself. I will keep repeating myself with these matters until I don't have to. 
when people talk about Dwayne, oh well, <laughs> when people talk about Dwayne Wade's and Gabrielle Union's daughter, I have to correct people and say, daughter, feminine pronouns. Please stop misgendering this child. Or if you're not comfortable using feminine pronouns, use child, person, non-gender specific things. Or in a conversation I was having earlier, they were referring to people with the term tranny. I had to tell them, don't say that word. Or when people are using all kinds of other derogatory terms, those little battles have to be fought. I grew up with, I came out when I was 14. I grew up through my life with a lot of straight allyship around me. And a lot more of it than I actually knew until I got older and things were explained to me. There were conversations had about me by people in my family circle and how they would address me, the terms they would use addressing me. And I had members of my family who took up cause and stopped that in their tracks. And we need more people like that. That's, that's, those are the battles. Yeah. But even for, so for you, I'm glad that happened because for a lot of people that I know and I'm aware about that didn't happen for them. Those are the little battles. Or when you're hanging out with your friends and it may not be somebody you know. You may just be walking down the street and you happen to see a very flamboyant gay man or a very butch lesbian or a trans person. (laughs) One, yes, the power of minding your business. business. Keep it to your fucking self. Mind your business. But if you are amongst a group of people and they choose to take their route of ignorance, your job is to say, nah, that's not cool. Stop that shit. Yeah, one time... I, this girl that I know was with another female that she was a tomboy or whatever, and they were both going to McDonald's. So I decided to just stand around them just in case because in that McDonald's there was a group of guys. So just in case that they got harassed or anything like that, I was outside just waiting to see what would happen. We're not saying be superheroes. No, but... but if it does happen... Just... At least stop it somewhat. Say something. Try to be... You don't need to be a hero. You need to be an advocate and an ally. We're not saying put your life in danger or be fighting people in the street. I know street. this girl, and plus you know that I like to fight too, so... That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but you have to take those opportunities, and it's even within our own communities being... I'm black, Stevens Latino. We hear a lot of these things around our own people. The luxury I have is... I am a whole homosexual. Oh, we know that. Your hair and your nails says that. I'm a whole entire homosexual. So people are more cautious with what they say in my presence because of how I present myself. Steven, on the other hand, is straight. So without... Well, I'm an aggressive person too. But no, this is the point I'm about to make. Without those obvious factors of me being homosexual and people code switching to accommodate my presence, people may get a little bit more reckless with their mouth and what they say around Steven. It happens a lot. (laughs) Because he's not gay. So they may say some off-color or rude shit about gay people because they know ain't nobody gay here, so it's safe to say. Where the outlyship comes into play... (laughs) And I tell him all the time he has to control his anger and not beat people up. But <laughs> you have to take that opportunity as a teaching moment to teach them a better way. Now, should it escalate and you do have to lay hands on somebody, 
All of y'all who know me know. The answer is yes. I ain't, I ain't scared. <laughs> the answer is yes. But if you can avoid that and stick to constructive conversations to get people to understand what's going on, that is the better way. Well, I've had conversation with, I'll say acquaintances, that they would talk about if they were to have gay kids or whatever, this and that, that they wouldn't be fully acceptance. Accept them, excuse me, yeah. And I will come at them because in the end of the day, that's your child. He came from your nut. Your girlfriend just re- just released him into the world and you basically deny one of your children of his parents just because of his sexuality. That's not right, first and foremost. Those, those you are the- decided to bust in a girl and get her pregnant and then just because he comes out gay, you're going to be like, nah, that's not my child. Don't do that shit. Those, just, those are the type of people, and I'm going to make this very clear. If any of you have any friends of that thought process, please make an appointment and have them speak to me. I will get them right together. I'm not going to hurt them. I'm just going to expand their horizons on their ways of thinking because especially within communities of color, a lot of times they think that something about the LGBTQIA experience or the lifestyle, as they tend to call it, is against the culture. But what they don't understand is it's not a cultural thing. It's how we are born and how we exist. Just as much as my skin is this lovely milk chocolate brown, the rainbow that comes out of my mouth when I start talking is rooted in my DNA. There's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing a child can do because they are gay, bisexual, lesbian, trans, it, it's who they are. So you not accepting that is a disservice to the child you brought into the world. And I I don't have the after school special tragic life story, but I have some incidences that I can highlight that will give you a little bit more perspective on why that allyship is support and support is needed, especially from a parental level. My thing is, are these parents more afraid of being parents of a gay child because they don't understand Or is it they just don't want to accept it at all because they don't think that that's acceptable? I think, just like I say with um, homophobia and racism, it's not a hate thing. It's a fear thing. Well, that's what I was trying to say. Those parents don't know how to articulate the fear they have because the fear they have is not of the child being gay necessarily. There's two different realms. One of them is kind of poetically sad and one of them is selfish. The poetically sad one is they fear their child having a difficult life and not being able to get everything they want because they're held back by society's views of their sexuality. That's the poetically sad one. That's the one where it's like, so you're passing a long hate because you're scared of your child being hated. Mm-hmm. That's tragic. The selfish one is the parents who think they can create and dictate their child's whole entire life. And their child is going to be who they say they want to be and what they want them to be. And if you don't fit that mold, then you're not their child. That's selfish and dickheadish. Well, you know what's funny that... I don't know if you remember, Tyra Banks used to have a show. When I didn't have cable and I just had this freaking antenna TV, I only had a few a few shows that I could watch. Uh-huh. And Tyra Banks would be one of them that I just The talk watched. show. So there was this one episode that she brought a group of gay people with their parents or family members... And they were actually trying to force themselves to transition to being straight just because of the normalities of social... Conversion therapy. Yeah. 
if you want to put it that way. And then we were saying that I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I can't do it. And I hate myself for that. The pray the gay away thing does not work, folks. Let's be clear. Yeah, it really doesn't. It does not work. Or even trying to get them to with to have sex with the opposite sex is not you, it, it doesn't work. It's actually reprehensible to try that. And it's also extremely mentally damaging to put people in that situation just to get them to conform. Because even, and again, the intentions may be wholeheartedly genuine that you want their life to be easier you want them to have a peaceful loving existence but they need to be do that they need to do that 100 percent as who they are as people my thing is do people understand that life is never going to be easy no matter what sometimes some people have different circumstances and make it a little bit more difficult but at the end of the day it's a battle that you're gonna have to go through and you're gonna have to live with and live it as the person that you are because in the end of the day yes your types your life is gonna be tough but make it for what it is and make it better for yourself. Everybody's life has their own challenges. Innately, just being a human being on a baseline is already hard enough Yeah. with everything going on in the world. There's no reason to throw hurdles and obstacles in front of other people just because they're not like you. You don't see lions setting traps for fucking jaguars. It's just, okay, the lions are here, the jaguars are there, respect our space and we're good. And the, the, it comes about when you talk about, and I had this conversation with another friend of mine, I had to expand on something he thought. He's like, you can't force people to accept you. It's not a matter of accepting me. It's a matter of accepting that I exist. What you think of me should not have a direct retaliation on my life. You should respect that I exist as a person here. And so long as I'm contributing to society positively and not doing you harm, that should be all that matters. Um, How about backtracking to the conversation that we were having about transgender woman being with a transgender guy? That you were saying like, oh, if a straight guy has sex with So woman. people confuse gender and sexuality, which is why there's, there's a underlying debate about the T's placement in the LGBTQIA plus community because transgender is not... In fact, a sexuality, it's a gender. So it's in the spectrum of that because a lot of trans people go through a phase where they sometimes identify as a gay person of their birth gender because that's all the representation they saw. This is why representation matters. And then as they progress in their life, they have a second coming out in which they realize that they are in fact a trans individual. And then that's when you get into the different adjectives and things because, for example, I am a homosexual, cisgendered male. I am a man, biologically, who is attracted to members of my same sex. Anything that has a platinum with it. Shut up. (laughs) Steven is um, noting my affection towards Dominican men. And Puerto Rican. And Puerto Rican. Anything that has to do with Hispanics. Caribbean, Hispanic, be specific. Um, so those adjectives play a huge part in explaining this, but sometimes people assume that because trans individuals, especially trans women, their birth gender are male, if a man finds himself attracted to a trans woman, oh, he must be gay. Wrong answer. They are attracted to the the feminine form, not the genitalia. 
whether someone's pre-op, post-op, whatever, they can figure that out once they get to that bedroom. That's none of our business. But someone being trans attracted is not a sign of their sexuality. They are attracted to the presentation that represents the opposite gender, thus they are still heterosexual. But this lends to the question, and this is what me and Dominic have been talking about. I would have loved to have had him on this, but that would have been too long of an episode. You're Dominic. Yes. Okay, yeah. That would have been too long of an episode. But (laughs) the question of, okay, trans attraction, da-da-da-da-da, trans disclosure. That's that's what the... That's a complicated issue because it's a... Um, self-fulfilling curse that a lot of trans people fear disclosure because of harm or potential death from people but a lot of those people claim that the physical harm or death that is caused is triggered by the lack of disclosure (coughs) so it's a repeating cycle that there seems to be no end in because society will not accept trans identity as an identity the straight community will not acknowledge that trans people exist on even playing fields as everybody else and shame people who are attracted to trans people genuinely also something people fail to realize is a lot of venues are segregated by your sexuality so you have gay bars straight bars and lesbian bars when you get into the concept of a trans bar, it becomes a little problematic and convoluted because a lot of times those are places where people who fetishize the trans community they go there. Go there. But this is also one of the questions that you were asking what would happen if I was to find out that I had sex with a trans woman. And like I told you, if it happened and I didn't know about it, then it happened. I'm not going to go and flip out and be like, oh shit, well... You should have let me know. Let me beat you up. It's more about like, okay, it happened, but you should have definitely let me know at least ahead of time. I'm not going to judge you for it. But that's where the complication comes in that conversation. Well, they don't know who they're bumping into as well. Exactly. You have to figure out what is the greater evil, the trans person not disclosing or the cisgender person being uncomfortable in a situation. Well, you and I have had this talk about this, that there are some transgender, I'm not going to say all, that won't disclose the information, but they use it as a... But then that comes into, again, I always look at things from both sides. So there are some trans people, and this has to be addressed, you can't address the positive of anger, there are some trans people who knowingly deceive people, and that is wrong, that's not fair, it's a complicated issue, but it should not be done. But then there are trans people who don't want their trans identity to be a target or a bullseye on them. So if they can pass in heteronormative straight society, they don't feel the need to address that on the forefront, especially on immediate interactions. And sometimes the circumstances come about, as I was talking about specific venues, there are a lot of trans people that don't frequent LGBT or trans establishments because they don't feel like being treated like an exhibit or a some sort of fetish for somebody, especially if they are passable in heteronormative society. They'll go to a regular straight bar yeah. or a restaurant or something and, mm-hmm. and chill and hang out and meet somebody just like everybody else would. But 
as my favorite trans person in cinema would say, she's hiding her candy, Lady Chablis, from um, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And when that moment of disclosure comes, it's complicated for when that should happen. Because you like the person, and what's between their legs is a complication to a certain extent. If you like the person, if you truly yeah. care and like the person, you can figure out anything else, whether it be to continue to be friends with this person or to pursue things further romantically and see where it goes. But taking someone's life and doing them harm is not the answer. I just need to understand why people go to that extent. Because for me... Shame. Fear. Shame or fear? Okay, I understand that. But just but like how you, far is shame is going to go just like you said, want to kill somebody? But just like you said, when you were growing up, if people complimented another man or did something yeah, that seemed yeah. a little remotely feminine, imagine those same people you grew up with. Hypothetically, let's, let's expand on the story. You slept with a trans woman. Yeah. You didn't know, whatever. You said, okay, fine, I have whatever. They see her leaving your house. And then it becomes known that she's trans. They start giving you a hard time. I understand They start that. poking fun at you. Some people are so ingrained in the gang mentality that they grew up with and the people around them, they would rather eliminate any source that could cause them ridicule than deal with the consequences of their peers. Okay, this is where my battle with that... Go. Well, this is where my battle with that is, is at. My thing is, and this from my perspective only, I don't know about anybody else's, if... In your life, this is what you like, or this is what you want, and your group of friends are trying to tell you, hey, like, ha, ha, why are you hanging around with this person, or why did that person came out of your house? Why are you letting somebody else dictate what you can or cannot do, what should you like, and what not to It like? was the same way as um, that Alicia Keys video, I'm Ready. When it goes through the history, it goes through a history of um, several oh, interracial wait. relationships. You show me that video. The, well, yeah, where it goes through the timeline that she's dating the white guy and all these different generations. Oh, wait, I'm confusing it with the one that you showed me that was this artist that she had two gay best friends. Oh, no, that was Marcia Ambrosius. That yeah, was far away. Yeah. That's all a different thing. But in Alicia Keys' video for um, I'm Ready, it goes through a timeline history of this recurring karmic theme of a black woman playing by Alicia Keys. And the white guy she was dating, he's a very famous actor, I forgot what his name is. But you see the interactions with her family, mm -hmm. and them telling her, why are you talking with him, he's white, blah, 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 blah. It's the same principle. That is yeah. the fear and the shame that causes people, and especially when you're dealing with the black and Latino community in urban, underprivileged neighborhoods, your reputation in the streets. Okay, but this is my thing, and this is where I stand with this. In order to break the cycle of any type of hatred or anything of the sort, mm -hmm. you you have to take the first step and live your life according to but how you want to live. How many people are willing to do that? How many people are willing that. to defy the environment they grew up in that raised them that they have their roots in? How many people are truly willing to put themselves out there like that? I don't know. To be honest with you, I wish people would. I do but too. But this, this is the issue. You as a human being... Your life, you own your life. No matter what you do, with every decision that you made, every mistake, every good outcome that has come into your life, is based on you. It's based on how you want to live your life. You cannot go. Let's say, okay, I have you as like a close friend. Like basically, we're like family. Mm -hmm. Francisco, 
one of my friends, Richie, Diego, and two other people, I can let those people be mad at me or make fun of me for something that I like or something I want to do just because, like, that's their perspective. They think that that's not okay. But it's just like when you were telling me that you were talking to somebody and you mentioned me and called me mom and they asked you, what do you mean? Yeah, that's a complicated topic that every time... (laughs) When you do that, what you do, and this is probably what will sum up the point I'm trying to get about straight allyship, you take the time to explain to them what that means and where that's coming from so they understand. After that, the ball is in their court. Yeah. About whether or not they choose. Well, the thing that I used to explain that to them was Paris is burning. Well, <laughs> That's what again, I use. You, I but use then that. guess what they're gonna go do? They're gonna go look up Paris is burning, watch it on Netflix, and they're gonna learn something. That's how this whole thing with straight allyship works. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to be protesting and this, that, and the other. It's the little gestures yeah. you do that move the needle just a little bit. But it's like with any girl that I date, I shut up. <laughs> So that's going to be the end of this conversation. This is definitely something we're going to revisit in the near future. Um, Stay tuned for the Peach Pit. This one is going to be very interesting. Okay, so for the first time in the podcast, I'm going to have a guest stay with me for the Peach Pit because I would like this one to be very, 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 very obvious to everyone how annoyed I am. So in the past few weeks... We have seen um, the world start to reopen and reemerge from quarantine, shelter at home, and things like that with businesses opening, stuff like that. I've returned to work a little bit this past week and been out and about. Um, Y'all, there's still a pandemic situation going on. We are not in the free and clear yet. And people are acting like they can just do whatever you want. And there are multiple reasons why this is an issue. So, I manage a bar, a nightclub, and restaurant. Obviously, we cannot do any of our regular functions because we have to manage the space. So, the social media, social distancing measures, and other safety precautions. One of which is you need to have a mask in order to be seated or come inside. I think what ended up happening is people read the headlines and said things are reopening and didn't read the guidelines. They definitely did it. Because but they definitely they thought like, oh, okay, everything is okay now. Nobody has the coronavirus. They, they, they want to play stupid when you tell them, oh, really? You have to do all that? But why? The fuck is wrong with you people? They don't have masks on or we tell them you have to have a mask on anytime you leave the table. Now, here's what I had to explain to several people, including some of the people I work with. This cannot be hospitality as usual. These are not the house rules that we follow this is not like the department of health saying you can't leave chicken out this is federal and statewide guidelines to protect public health and safety oh well we have some friends joining can we move this table no the tables have to be six feet apart they have to stay set for whatever they are oh you can't i already said i can't i give you a whole rundown of the rules at the door and you want to go upstairs to the host or the manager and play stupid or they come down to me act like i'm bending the rules if you've worked with me or you've met me, you know good and well I'm not the rule bender or breaker. And then I've seen it going to and from work because I'm antisocial and I don't like people. People just out in the street like ain't nothing going on. Yeah. And Sitting down smoking hookah. Those of you with this fireworks shit at all hours of the night, stop that mess. 
Folks are going back to work and they're tired. I don't need to be hearing fireworks at 3 o'clock in the morning. Those of you taking public transportation, please wear your mask. Please try to maintain social distancing. Specifically, those of you who take the PATH train, specifically Mm -hmm. at the World Trade Center station. There are arrows that tell you how to go up and down the stairs. Follow the arrows. Speaking of following signs, people don't know how to follow signs at the new LaGuardia terminal. And we had to have certain people in each post to tell them they had to go to the right, left. So we got to waste an overstaffed place because y'all don't want to pay attention to where you're going. Stop acting like fucking two-year-olds. The sign at the subway section says no entry without a mask. You want to stand there and look stupid and then look at me like I'm crazy when I roll my eyes at you. Or the social distancing markers. Why are you standing right on top of me? Or when I'm at work and I correct you on the procedures that I've already explained to you, you want to look at me like I'm crazy or say, well, call so-and-so. Calling the owner or other manager or whatever is not going to solve your problem. This is above that. Do better. Bye.